This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. Our scripture reading this morning, thank you, our scripture reading this morning is found in James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Um, So if you are able, would you please stand and join me in reading God's holy word? By the way, if you're using the Pew Bibles, it's found on page 977. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 scribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. This is the word of the Lord. in CRC. Good morning. I'm Pastor John. I have the honor of serving as lead pastor here. Before we dive back into James, um, I have to say thank you to a couple of people. Um, Two weeks ago, Connor Mackey, our young adults director, took this stage and on really less than 10 days notice, um, preached a powerful message on the topic of letting love be genuine. And then just last week, Ron Veldman, um, an elder here at CRC, in his first time teaching on a Sunday morning, taught a powerful lesson um, in regards to lessons from Moses. And I don't know about you, I couldn't tell that that was his first time teaching. And so would you join me in thanking those two men for their service? Will you pray with me? Father God, we love you. Thank you so much for your work. Thank you so much for what you are doing here. Thank you so much for what you're doing in Africa and all around the globe. But God, right now, your people in Israel uh, are being attacked unjustly by those who subscribe to a false religion. And we pray for your hand of protection over them. We pray for their families. We pray for those who have already been kidnapped and taken away. We pray, God, that you would be with them. We pray, God, that you would eradicate it. But God, in that meantime, up until your return, we know that evil is lurking all around us. We pray that you would protect your people. We pray for Israel. 
We pray for the conflict. and We pray for our nation and how we would choose to intervene. God, give us direction. Give our leaders direction. We pray for them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. And we trust you. And we pray safety and peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I was, um, anytime I teach on a topic like trials, um, I do so kind of walking on eggshells. Here's why. Uh, I'm a 35-year-old man. Um, Now listen, I'm a 35-year-old man. I've been through some things, all right? Some of you have walked with me through some things the last three years. Um, So I've been through some trials in life, but I am not too naive to know that there are people in this room who have lived double my age or even longer who have been through probably double or triple the trials that I have been through. So please understand when I tell you um, I am not a professional or a doctorate level sufferer, okay? So when I come to a text like James chapter one, I come tenderhearted knowing, and I've been able to walk with some of you through some of the trials that you have went through even in the last year. I come knowing that some of you have been through this so much more than I have. And so I come humbly before you, but here is what I also come. I come trusting in the word of God to speak what God wants to speak today on this topic. And so may we come together on this topic in James chapter one, verses one through eight, just trusting in God's word and in God's lead. And I also come humbly knowing that some of you are going through it right now. And I wanna be tenderhearted to that. And I wanna speak gently to that, okay? I was reading about one sophomore in college um, who was in an, ornithology class. Y'all don't know what ornithology is, do you? It's the study of birds. Some of y'all killed the birds, but y'all don't know the scientific name of the birds, all right? Um, The ornithology class. So this young man, sophomore in college, was in an ornithology class, and he was really working his way towards the final exam, and he was sweating it. If you've been in college, many of you have, man, you know how that's like, sweating a final exam. He spent the whole week leading up to the final, staying up really late, studying all the facts about birds and all the information that he had learned in the previous 14 weeks, and he gave his all to it, and he was stunned to come into class during his final exam to see not a few sheets of paper and A, B, C, D, E on a desk, but he rather came in with a PowerPoint with 25 pairs of bird legs on the screen, and it literally just said, pair these legs with the bird. And he thought to himself, that is not at all what I had studied, that is not at all what I had prepared all of these weeks for. And he told the professor, I didn't prepare for this. And the professor simply said, well, give it your best shot. And he said, I will not 
He said, I'm not gonna take the exam. And the professor said, the exam is half of your grade, sir. If you don't take the exam, you will fail the class. And the young man just said, well, you can fail me. Go ahead and fail me. And he started walking towards the door and the professor said, then it is done. You, you have failed this course, young man. Now tell me your name. And the young man did what was the only wise thing to do in the moment and he lifted up his pant leg and he said, you tell me my name, sir. Based on my legs, you tell me my name. Tests reveal weak spots in our knowledge. Tests reveal weak spots in our knowledge, but tests can also be opportunities to deepen our knowledge, to fill in the gaps of our knowledge. And this is what James alludes to here in James 1 when he says that these trials that we are facing are the testing of our faith. They reveal the weak spots in our faith and it gives us opportunities to grow in our faith. So for our shortened time together this morning, as we prepare our hearts for communion, I want us to look at three imperatives. Those are three commands in the book of James and I'm going to pull from them to develop points that show us I believe what God would want to produce within us through the trials that we face in this life, whether we're living here, whether we're living in Africa, wherever we are at in whatever season of life, the word of God is timeless and it ranges the globe. So here's the first one that we'll consider today as it relates to trials. First, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, of many kinds, trials challenge our perspective. I don't know about you, but when I'm enduring and facing a trial, the the last thing on my mind in the midst of it is pure joy, right? That's not what's going through my mind in the midst of a trial. James will go on throughout this letter to discuss the complexities of what we see as trials of many kinds. Throughout this letter, we will see issues and trials such as partiality being shown, such as economic injustice in his day that was a real thing, and also things like physical sickness and the trials that many go through when they are sick. And there are many other trials that will be touched upon in the book of James. And all of this, you must understand, when you're going through it, we simply have a ground-level view of the trial, a ground-level view. And in that view, it is all bad, or at least it all seems bad in the moment. But when we take this type of James 1-2 perspective, we'll call it the James 1-2 punch, we are trusting that, as Genesis 50 says, what others mean for evil, God will work for good. And we're also trusting that what Paul wrote in Romans 8-28 will be our reality in the end All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. When I met with Louise Boom's family a couple weeks 
um, back, a few weeks back now, um, it, it was amazing the perspective that they had. It was a heavenly perspective in the midst of what I know was deep, deep, unimaginable pain. But as we met in that room, they just kept looking back at the goodness of God, and it blew my mind. They were looking back at the Iowa trip that God had blessed them with. That was one of the biggest highlights of all of their lives, and how God spared her through that. She was healthy, running, walking, going on hikes, and God gave them that moment before he eventually would take her. And they just started praising God through the memories that they had. I was officiating a wedding this weekend in Indianapolis of a young man who I had the opportunity to, to mentor and disciple a bit when I was in Illinois, and, and this young man had a friend, and I was sitting around a fire after, um, during really the reception outside. We're sitting around a fire, I'm talking to one young man who wanted to know more about the calling of, of a pastor, and so I'm talking to him, and then another young man rolls in, and it was the young man's roommate during college who, um, who I just married. And so this young man rolls in the roommate and he's in a wheelchair. And so I, f I feel the Lord just prompt me like, hey, ask, ask, ask his story. So I say, hey man, you mind sharing your story a bit? And so he says, I'd love to. And this young man, again, was really good friends with the person who was being married that weekend. And he said, we both played baseball together. They played college ball in Indiana. And he goes, after a baseball game, we'd often go out to parties. You know, that's what college students do. So he goes, we'd go out, we went out to a party, and this party started off small. And he goes, over time, the party just got big. It's like we started not knowing anyone from the party all of a sudden, and we felt something was wrong. And he goes, it got so big, there were some gang members who came in. And he goes, uh, there must have been some kind of a dispute. But what happened was one of the gang members ended up leaving the party but shooting through the house four shots. And the first shot went through a woman's hair, he said, and it went right through my neck. And I was paralyzed immediately from the shoulders down. And he said, but thanks be to God, they got me to the hospital quick enough. People acted so fast. He goes, and they were able to regain, I was able to regain movement in my upper extremities from the waist up. And he goes, and I was so bummed because I love baseball, I love athletics. I mean, I centered so much of my life around baseball and athletics, and I was so upset. And then I discovered during the healing process, wheelchair rugby. Y'all are laughing. He said, this has been such a blessing to me. He goes, I started getting connected with the group. I started participating in wheelchair rugby. And he said, listen to this. Next fall, I will be on Channel 5 News in the Olympics for wheelchair rugby. Representing the United States of America. And he said, I just thank God. He goes, because I He's like, man, my batting average was like 215, you know, in college. He goes, I'd have never been in the Olympics for baseball. But he goes, God has even used this to encourage my soul. 
in such a way. And now look. That's a perspective. That's a challenge. In the midst and going through a trial. Here's what we need to understand in all of this as well. Everything is broken. On this side of the fall and on this side of the return of Christ, it is all broken. It's all shattered from pandemics to cancer to stray bullets entering a 20-something-year-old's neck, paralyzing him now from the waist down, accidents, devastation, unimaginable evil, Israel being attacked. This is happening all over, and it will continue to happen until Christ returns to make everything right again. It's what we need to understand. We have broken everything. We have shattered everything due to sin. We are all one phone call away from news that will shake our faith to the core and try even the strongest of Christians in this room. But in the end, for the believer, they can be refined through it and not destroyed. Why? Because God walks with you, he has compassion on you, and he desperately longs to see you conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And he can use even the worst of trials to do that. Let's go to the next point. Trials refine our patience. It says, let perseverance finish Say finish, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's important to know that trials are not guaranteed to produce good things in our life. We have to choose whether we are going to trust and hold on to God's character and let him work his good in us during that time, but the transformation itself is not automatic. Charles Spurgeon once said that in times of doubt, or rather times of doubt, are like a foot poised to go forward or backwards in faith. This trial can either take you further in with God, but it can also drive you backwards into unbelief. Think about Paul and Silas in Acts 16. They are unjustly prisoned, then they are flogged. They are beaten unjustly. They're thrown into a cell with chains. Their backs are up against a cold wall. They're lacerated backs. And what are they doing in the middle of the night? The text says they are worshiping God in the middle of the night, Paul and Silas. And the jailer's just witnessing all of this. And then all of a sudden, God sends an earthquake. And they are freed. And what does the jailer do? He gets on his knees and he says, what must I do to be saved? I want whatever you have. God saw fit through the sufferings of his servants to bring the gospel to a lost jailer. They literally rolled with the punches, you could say. They found it in honor to suffer for Christ, and God used them as a result. Martin Luther once said that three things are needed to make a great Christian or to make a Christian great. Prayer, Bible study, and suffering. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go look for suffering, because we shouldn't. But when it comes, and if we're blessed to live long enough, 
Talk to someone with gray hair in the room today. If you're blessed to live long enough, you're gonna suffer, you're gonna struggle, you're gonna go through trials. That's the reality. And I don't know about you, but however long the Lord has me on this earth, I know there are trials that are coming if it's gonna be long enough. I want God to do whatever he wants to do with me through those trials. I wanna be conformed closer to the image of Christ through the trials, because the trials are coming either way. Now may he use them for good. May he use them to refine me and my patience, and may he use them to refine you in your patience as well. Here's our third point from this text as we close. Trials call us to pray. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But it's important to know that there are three verses after that. God longs to help us, but our prayer in the midst of the suffering comes with some conditions. Let me read those three verses that come after verse 5 there in James 1. Here's what verses 6 through 8 say in James. But when you ask, here are the conditions, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Now listen, when James says you must believe and not doubt, he's not suggesting that you never have questions, that you never question your faith or question God because if you've lived long enough and been a Christian long enough, you know we all go through seasons of doubt. We all go through seasons of questioning God. It's what happens in this life, in this sin-stained life. But what he's saying is that when you go through those trials, you should not hedge your bets. You shouldn't hedge your bets. The word that he uses for double-minded is literally di-psychos or di-psychos. And what the word means, di, means two, and psychos means minds. It's literally like having two minds. That's the idea of being double-minded. Again, you can't hedge your bets. You can't have your cake and eat it too. He is calling you to put all of your chips in complete loyalty to Christ and Christ alone. You can't say, God, I need you to heal my marriage and then go on watching pornography and flirting with your coworkers. You can't do that. God's not going to honor that kind of a double-minded person. You can't say, God, I need you to bless my finances, and yet you're not giving what he's calling you to give to the mission. That is a double-minded person. You can't hedge your bets. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Dr. Tony Evans, I love what he says. He calls it a mutual fund approach to God. If you've invested in the stock market, you know a mutual fund is a way of spreading out your investment risk. Instead of putting all of your money in Tesla, which if you did like 10 years ago, you'd be in good shape, right? But instead of putting all of your money in Tesla, you say, I'm gonna put this amount percentage on Tesla and this amount on Apple and Microsoft and Ford. Probably shouldn't do that. I'm not giving you investment advice, all right? But um, this is what's 
called a mutual fund approach. And you should probably invest like that, but you should not treat God like that. He calls us to be all in. Put it all on him. Put all of your hope in him. And then when you come to him, amazing transformative things happen as a result. Come to him in prayer with everything on the table. I'm not holding back. I'm giving God what he calls me to give. I'm cleaning out my closets. I'm cleaning underneath the table. I'm, I'm picking up the rug. I'm sweeping underneath the rug of my life. Take it all, God. I want to see fruit through whatever trial may come my way. I'm not going to, in the midst of a trial, you know, run to alcohol, run to drug abuse, and then maybe call on God occasionally. I'm going to run from those things as I'm called to, and I'm going to run directly to God, trusting that he is who he says he is. In Luke 18, 1, it says that Jesus told a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Jesus told a parable to the fact that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Why would the word of God say that? Because Jesus knew that there will be seasons in your life where it can be easy to not wanna pray and to lose heart. And what is the parable that is shared? Then the story he told was about a woman who wanted justice from this old, crooked, uncertain, uncaring judge. But she kept asking and kept asking and kept asking. And through her relentless request, the judge finally gave her what she asked for. The point of this parable is not to compare God to an uncaring judge, but rather the point is to contrast God from an uncaring judge. Because even if an uncaring judge would after a while through persistence finally grant the request of a widow, how much more will God who is caring and loving and compassionate and full of every resource that this world has to offer, how much more will he, through the persistence of his people, answer the request that you have? Bring it all to him, Coopersville Reform. And then when you feel like you're done, keep bringing it all. Keep bringing it and keep coming with it. He's faithful to answer. He's faithful to work. His perspective is greater and he longs to conform us into the image of his dear son, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He alone can turn beauty from ashes. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the ways in which you transform situations, but even beyond that, you transform us in the midst of tumultuous situations. Father, I, I pray for anyone right now who's just going through a trial, whether we know of it or whether we don't, I pray, God, that you would meet them in the midst of it, that they would pray and not lose heart, that they would see your hand, that they would feel your comfort and sense your peace through it all. God, again, we pray for Israel. And we pray for the enemies of Israel. We pray for your world. We pray, Father, that you would continue working and that you would shelter those who are in harm's way. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in the mighty name 
of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. At this time, we're going we're gonna to take communion together just as a reminder. Um, you don't need to be a member here to take communion with us. We ask that you are saved. We ask that you love Jesus and that you have given him your life. So you don't need to be a member at CRC to come to the table, but you need to be a member of the body of Christ, those who belong to him because they have submitted their lives to him. The Lord's Supper is a tangible sign that seals upon our hearts the love of Christ through the Spirit of God. So the same night that Jesus was betrayed, and actually same area right now that is going through some hard, hard times in Jerusalem, he met with his disciples in the upper room for a meal, and he broke bread with them. It's considered the last supper. And as he met with them, he broke the bread, and he declared, this is my body, which is given for you, broken for you. As often as you eat of it and take of it, do so in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and he lifted it up, declaring that this is the blood of the new covenant. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. I'd like to invite our elders up. We'll serve you in your seats in the middle compartment of the bread that you will get first. There are some gluten-free options there you may take of that. We ask that you would take the bread and then just spend some time um, seated praying and just pouring your heart out to God. Then we'll give you the juice, and then once we all have the bread and the juice, we will partake of it together.